Hello and a warm welcome to Econoday Unplugged on Thursday, 15th of June 2023. Mark Penders on the East Coast, Max, Max Artos in British Columbia, Brian Jackson's in Sydney and I'm Jeremy Hawkins in London. Well, whatever happened to synchronised monetary policy? Over the last couple of days, we've seen key rates height in the eurozone, left unchanged in the US and cut in China. Before then, we also had the Reserve Bank of Australia and the Bank of Canada, both of which which were on hold, start to tighten again. All of which means that the global economic outlook for policymakers and investors alike remains as complicated as ever. So in today's podcast, we'll try to analyse what's really going on. So kick off with Mark then. Mr Pender, after uh-huh. 10 successive hikes, the Fed finally stayed pat yesterday. So obvious questions then. Why? And is this just a pause or do you think the economy is actually cooled enough to make this the top of the interest rate cycle? It's possible that it's the top of the interest rate cycle, given uh, um, some indications that we've had just over the last few days. It's not the guidance that the Fed is giving. The pause is in line with the guidance they gave at the May meeting. Um, And uh, they're taking the pause to assess um, how uh, prior uh, uh, rate hikes and uh, withdrawal of of, uh, the reduction of the balance sheet are affecting the uh, the economy but we've had some uh, interesting indicators just the, the last few days uh and it's on inflation the cpi came out on tuesday it didn't change the expectations which in the economy consensus were uniform unanimous um, expectations for no change the cpi which came in on tuesday with the, uh, uh, showed a really sharp fall at the headline level almost a full percentage point to four percent these are all all the inflation rates i'm going to be reading off are um uh two and a half year lows uh for following the uh, the lowest level since the uh, the depth really of the of the um of the covid um the uh, X Energy X Food, however, core did slow, but not very much by only two tenths. Um, since then, though, we're beginning readings on energy. Energy really is um, coming down, and how long that might take to feed into the uh, core rate is really just, I think, just a question of time. We saw the PPI the day of the release. Um, uh, th- that's producer prices at the wholesale level. Uh, that annual rate came down, uh, went in half to 1.1% from 2.3%. And that um, is almost uh, uh, non-inflationary and below the 2% you know, uh, ubiquitous goal. But uh, today we had import and export prices, which were also interesting. Uh, and here we had almost, almost a 6% decline in the import side. So that really is... Um, uh, you know, disinflationary as far as the consumer prices go and, and, and the cost of imported uh, goods. And the, and the export side was down 10%. And here, if you look at the non-fuels, it was more or less steady and, and really was tied to the to what's going on in, with fuels. They fell 6.4% um, on the month after a 4% monthly dip in April, and they're down 34%. We see all this across all the global uh, wholesales, something, uh, uh, except for, I, I guess, out of China, is something similar to this. Um, and uh, it really speaks to why Saudi Arabia unilaterally cut production at the beginning of the month 
And I think that that is a, a sign uh, for everyone that, you know, uh, maybe prices are softening up. So to get back at your, at your initial question, Jeremy, I think it is possible that we've seen the, 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 the height of the federal funds um, target well, just over 5%. But um, the Fed's you know, they're still sounding hawkish. Their bias is definitely hawkish. And, and when they start uh, after the blackout period ends and they start um, uh, making comments uh, to the press and things, I think you're going to probably hear a hawkish uh, tone. That's what they want to keep. Uh, okay. I think that gives them. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. No, so, okay, right. So they said the international environment certainly seems becoming much more positive in terms of getting inflation rates down. What about the domestic side? Because I guess you're almost playing devil's advocate here. We had an extremely, superficially anyway, an extremely strong May employment report. Yeah. Uh, payrolls are up almost 340,000, if I remember rightly, so well yeah. above the Conaday consensus. So, I mean, mm-hmm. do you think it's a case that the, econ- that, you know, the domestic economy is slowing fast enough to allow the Fed to keep rates on hold, or are they well, going to have to tighten a bit further? Well, it's funny you should mention the employment report because uh, the last couple of weeks, including today, uh, we've had a, a sharp rise in initial claims, and this was a little bit odd. Uh, you can get these outliers from week to week, and that's what our forecasters thought the prior week's jump to initial claims uh, to 262,000. Uh, but it came in again at 262,000, and this had been running more in the 220 range mm-hmm. before that. So when you look at the graph, this is a spike higher. Now, and of course, the question that, you know you have to ask is, you know, it, 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 one week is not a trend, but it's, it's two weeks a trend. And if it, this is an emerging trend, then the federal, uh, the Fed's description of the job, U.S. labor market, which uh, they call robust, they're going to have to start toning that, uh, toning that down, which is a possibility. And if that occurs, then I think the, the terminal height has been hit here for the Fed funds rate as uh, things unfold. So. Okay. All right then. Well, so if if we are actually either at or getting close to the top end of the of the curve, then I suppose the uh, you know the, the the key question for investors is going to be when do we start to see interest rate cuts? Now Jerome Powell hmm. yesterday was suggesting what it's a couple of years out. Um, do you think that's realistic? Yeah, They'll keep rates well, this high for that long. He said that none of the participants, and this includes the non-voters, a, a group just under twenty, think that there's going to be a rate cut. Uh, this year, which was an interesting thing to say, um, but things, you know, this whole, the forecasts are, are, are not always accurate <laughs> and their expectations are not, you know, don't always, their own expectations don't always, uh, you know, unfold. Uh, so, um, it, you know, if there is, especially if there's some kind of, you know, exogenous event, which is always the wild card and, they used to not appear very often, but they're be appearing uh, more often lately. If something like that happens, of course, you can't uh, judge anything like that, although they are putting nuclear weapons in Belarus now. Well, that can't be good anyway. But um, if everything goes as planned, uh, uh, the labor market still is very strong here in the U.S. Job openings are really super high. We had... Uh, a little bit of an easing in wages, but not, but you, but not the the UK there. That was a surprising uh, tick higher, and so there is wages aren't really leading the way down here in the US. It's uh, it's really energy, um, 
But, uh, you know, we're not having the strikes that, that the UK is having, uh, which is an interesting uh, 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 side, I guess. But um, um, I don't know. To, I, I think the odds of a rate cut here, the odds of the economy slowing significantly, I don't think it's evident except for the manufacturing business surveys, which have been in deep contraction month after month after month, um, are signaling trouble for this group. Uh, although the latest indications on business investment are uh, firming a bit. So maybe the, the worst for that group is, is passed. And if that's uh, so, if manufacturing does indeed uh, lead pivots in overall e e economic direction, um, if that if they can recover, if, uh, I'm talking about like the Philadelphia Fed, well, which was deeply negative today, or the Empire State, which has been swinging wildly uh, back into positive ground. And so, you know, between a positive and a negative, it's a flat. If you just look at those two reports, um, you know, I don't know if it's a positive, but maybe that's a neutral. But otherwise, you know, the service sector here is still pretty very strong or uh, uh, moderately strong, depending on the surveys you're looking at. And the way the labor market is, even though we're seeing the spike in initial claims, um, it's still very strong. OK, last question for me, then, is um, what should investors be looking at? I mean, clearly, we've been so used to now to everyone gets awfully excited when we've got the next CPI coming up. Uh -huh, um, uh -huh. But is, is it the case now that uh, to the extent that perhaps inflation is something of a lagging indicator, you know, being a function mm -hmm. of what's happening to domestic demand, overseas demand, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, are we at a stage now where perhaps we should start looking more at some of the real economy variables with a view to if they're weakening, then that in turn should feed naturally through into lower inflation? Or is it still basically the case that the Fed's looking at the likes of the CPI and perhaps the PPI uh, when they're coming to setting interest rates? Well, real quickly on the inflation expectations, we had the Atlanta Fed uh, business expectations yesterday, and that hit a multi-year low, uh, and so that's positive. And tomorrow, we're going to get the consumer inflation expectations from the University of Michigan. Uh, well, that'll be interesting to see there. You want to keep your eye on the five-year rate that uh, Powell talks a lot about, and we're talking about fundamental demand pull. Uh, we have we had retail sales. I mean, the indicators are flying over here. We had retail sales this morning. I mean, the May and April uh, modest growth, uh, nothing really uh, too exciting, but it's not contracting. And if you have an employment, a strong employment uh, report, uh, uh, strong employment reports like you'd mentioned, um, you, the outlook for that uh, would also be positive as well. Um, and with wages, uh, you know, increasing, inflation uh, coming down, uh, maybe uh, consumer spending will uh, pick back up. So, and also business investment. You know, Powell yesterday mentioned still talking about weakness in, in business investment, but we had a strong uh, uptick in capital goods data in recent manufacturing in the durable goods report and the factory orders report, and and that's a positive sign. Uh, and prior. Uh, uh, gains are are uh, have led to a little bit of a uptick in sh in early signs of shipments for the second quarter, and if the orders keep jumping as they as they did in in May, then we would you know be talking about that extending into the um, through the second quarter and into the third quarter. So um, I don't I don't see the mix for a rate cut here really. Um, but if the investors want to look at something other than inflation, 
Um, look at sentiment, consumer sentiment tomorrow at 10 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, that'll be where it's been dead. You know, consumer confidence in mm-hmm. U.S. consumer sentiment has just been completely just wiped out. All this, this never really showed any sign of any kind of vigor whatsoever. So it, it, if, uh, if that starts to begin to um, come alive, then uh, then you might even see that, you know, that maybe that's why the Fed is thinking about those 50 basis points uh, in additional hikes this year. OK, brilliant. Thanks a lot, Mark. Right. Well, let's move across the border then, uh, Max. To the surprise of many, although not necessarily everyone, the Bank of Canada resumed its tightening policy um, last week, lifting the overnight rate by, what, 25 basis points, having held it flat in both March and April. Now, Econoday's um, consensus divergence in it index has been running well quite well above zero in fact for most of the year that the current readings were up at 42 and for the inflation adjusted index were at 33 so it was in fact particularly high going into the meet the bank account the meeting itself so do you think the central banks has misjudged domestic inflationary pressures um you know deciding to leave uh, interest rates on hold earlier on in the year or were they doing a sensible thing do you think um, I thought um, um, taking some time to assess the um, effects of cumulative rate hikes uh, was the right thing to do, especially when they really raised um, rates aggressively earlier mm-hmm. in the stage and up until recently. So um, um, almost everybody on the street um, were expecting a pause this time, and but definitely um, a hike in July. But I think... Um, the, the, one of the deputy governor's comments uh, recently uh, summed it up. Um, um, the policymakers thought uh, households are less sensitive uh, to um, interest rate hikes. That that has been confirmed in the um, already recovering housing market. Okay, let me ask you. I mean. I think in the uh, in the statement they said the uh, overall excess demand in the economy looks to be more persistent than anticipated. But um, you know we had a recent decent run of inflation data. Now I know the headline April figure wasn't particularly impressive, but the core measures continued to decelerate. Since the policy rate rise, we've had um, what the first decline in employment in the Canadian Employment Report in I think nine months, if I remember rightly, uh, and certainly is a good deal weaker than expected and the unemployment's rising. So um, do you think there is a risk that perhaps, you know, going the other way now, that you know, interest rates should have peaked and we shouldn't be talking about further rate rises? Or do you still think there's sufficient momentum in the economy that uh, upside pressure on inflation is still a real risk? I think it was interesting that uh, the bank didn't wait until the Friday's um, um, Canadian employment data release. And I think they knew that... Uh, Upside risk is still high. Right. If you take a look at the uh, employment, uh, sorry, uh, employment report, um, um, the decline uh, was mostly youth employment, and mm-hmm. that means uh, uh, summer jobs not really great for the students at this point. But then the average um, hourly er- wage is still rose 1.5 percent on the year, which means um, only down a little bit, and still too high for the Bank of Canada. So. If you take a look at the um, 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 the um, tightness of the labor market, then uh, uh, overall, uh, which which um, uh, reminds us of the uh, the comments uh, the governor 
was making earlier that uh, the way down to 4% inflation and maybe to 3% may happen, but from 3 to 2, the ultimate uh, goal, uh, this may this may be a little bit challenging. Okay, fair enough. So your call for interest rates out of the BOC for the rest of this year? Um, it's it, it would make sense uh, unless uh, economic data um, uh, point to sharply the other way. I think uh, they will raise uh, rates in July and maybe one more time um, if uh, the persistence in the sticky CPI uh, continues. Okay, fair enough. Thanks for that, Max. Um, before we let you go, let's move across to Japan. Um, as I mentioned in the intro, in terms of interest rates anyway, parts of Asia still very much lagging the international central bank community, indeed, by some distance. So in terms of Japan, we'll get the latest BOJ policy announcement in, what, not too, 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 too many hours now. So are you expecting any hints that there might be a change to the current yield, yield curve control, um, you know, perhaps in the offing sooner rather than later? Are we still looking at you know, no change for the foreseeable future? Uh, that's a very delicate uh, question. That's um, why I'm asking you, Max, because you're <laughs> the man for the job. The bottom line is uh, no change in the overall uh, structure of the, the, this framework yield curve. And uh, But there can be some tweaking if uh, something similar to what we saw last year happens, like uh, um, a, continued, uh, a continued decline in the end's value, and uh, which is going to make uh, imports more ex- expensive. Although, um, if you take a look at the um, PPI, um, import prices uh, have declined uh, for the second uh, consecutive month. So I don't think uh, the current yen's weakness is such a huge problem for the bank right now. And it's interesting to see the um, uh, Governor Weta's comments uh, made recently. He clearly said the risk of um, 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 raising rates uh, prematurely uh, uh, much greater than waiting uh, much later and getting uh, much higher inflation. So I think maybe BOJ people wishing that they had a North American type of, um, you know, demand pulled inflation and you know, even above target. Okay, let me ask you about inflation. I mean, we're looking at, you know, look at the core rate, well, say one of the core rates, so you're stripping out the fresh food and energy. Um, the April data showed what an annual rate of 4.1%. So if I got my numbers right, that's the highest rate we've seen since September 1981. It's been above 3% for more than a year now. So, I mean, how long can the Bank of Japan say that, well, look, you know, inflation will be coming back down. It's not sustainably above 2%. Are we not getting to the stage now, now whereby perhaps, you know, the core rates are indicating there are some genuine underlying pressures or do you think there's something else going on? Yeah, I understand you sort of quoted the uh, what they call core core CPI, which strips uh, mm-hmm. out both fresh food and energy. But yeah. BOJ uses the core CPI, traditional core, which is uh, only excluding um, uh, fresh food, which is three. Next week, uh, we expect the rate to further slow down to 3.1 and maybe further down because of the um, a, um, easing energy prices and uh, uh, changing the um, um, policy of uh, charging for uh, renewable energy. Uh, but then again, uh, at the core of the, the current um, upward pressure is coming from sort of a delayed or 
um, uh, increase, a uh, series of increases in food prices, um, uh, fresh food and uh, processed food. And typically, um, Japanese companies are so careful about raising prices at the beginning of the spike last year and now. So they haven't really fully um, reflected the uh, the spike in uh, import prices yet. So mm -hmm. I'm sure food prices and some durable goods, they're going to rise, which will be seen in the core core from 4.1 to 4.2 next week and maybe further up. But then if you take a look at total CPI and core CPI, that's coming down. So um, uh, I think the uh, the risk can be still downside for the BOJ. Okay, fair enough. It'd be interesting to see. Um, anything else on uh, Japan you'd like to put in, Max? Sure. The latest news from the political uh, front is um, um, Prime Minister Kishida denied that he was considering uh, dissolving the lower house and calling a snap election during the current um, uh, diet uh, session, mm -hmm. which will end next Wednesday, uh, which means still uh, political stability. But uh, expectations are that he may call an election in the fall. Um, he's a little bit uh, um, he's trying to um, to win support from various factions of the, uh, the ruling LDP before um, the party's leadership election in September next year. So it's a little bit planning ahead, but um, I think uh, elections coming either later this year or early next year. Um, I mean, before the um, full term to the um, lower house uh, uh, and in uh, um, October 2025. Interesting. OK, watch this space. Thanks for that, Max. Right. OK, let's move on then. China, Brian, um, we talked a bit so far, particularly stateside, about um, potential for higher interest rates. That'll certainly be true of Europe when we get on to that. But the likes of China then, um, surprise cut in interest rates this week, although perhaps looking at some of the recent economic data, we shouldn't be too surprised. I mean, Econoday's ECDI, we're running at what, minus 50 on the headline index there, and even minus 60 when we're looking at how the real economy is developing. So um, what's going on? I mean, <laughs> For them to come out and cut interest rates, which seem to be taking most people by surprise, does that suggest that things really aren't shaping up too badly out there? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot to unpack, really. I think the way they the you know the People's Bank of China has characterised the moves that they've made this week is is not a you know, major change in the in the policy stance. They've been mm -hmm. sort of stressing that you know it's just an adjustment to keep liquidity adequate uh keep liquidity reasonable um you know nothing to see here we had our uh, comments from the governor last week just saying that he wants to keep monetary policy stable and he thinks that you know they're, they're tracking okay and he's expecting um uh you know, economic growth and price pressures to pick up in the second half of the year so they're, they're trying to uh downplay the significance of the moves uh and so we'll just have to see though whether this is a uh, an indication that they will need to do more. There's been reports in the Wall Street Journal saying that uh, you know, perhaps there will be some uh, some sort of more stimulus measures put in place uh, in terms of infrastructure spending, uh, what have you. Uh, so, you know, we, we might still see some more action going forward, but at, at the moment they're trying to downplay it. And I, I think that's, you know, that de definitely the data have been um, showing ongoing weakness in, in many parts of the economy, but there's, there's also, uh, I think, some caution that has to be uh, uh, had in, in terms of interpreting the, the data, particularly you know, the, the numbers that we just got this week. Um, 
we, we tend to focus very much on the, on the Chinese data on the year-over-year growth rates. Mm-hmm. That's that's always the headline numbers. Uh, right. and that's, that's what you see reported everywhere. But, of course, when you're looking at year-over-year numbers, that's uh, also impacted by what happened 12 months ago. And, you know, 12 months ago, we had, you know, very, very tight lockdowns in Beijing and Shanghai and, and other places. And so, you know, obviously there's base effects from the 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 uh, downturn in activity that we saw 12 months ago, and that's impacting the year-over-year growth numbers that we, we're seeing right now. So um, those numbers were a bit higher in April uh, because of those um, base effects from what happened in April 2022. Uh, and then they, they've come down a bit, though, in, in May, as we're seeing, and that's because those base effects have faded. So just um, you know, be aware, I think, of some of those um, underlying issues going on. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So as you say, it's well, it's not just China, is it? There's all sorts of distortions surrounding global economic figures at the moment in general. But but with regards to China itself, just looking at some of the inflation numbers, um, the May CPI we're talking about just 0.2 percent on a year. The PPI now is I think minus 4.6 percent, the lowest we've seen in the last what I guess six years or so. So I mean, are even if the PBOC perhaps won't actually uh, admit to it itself, do you think there's some genuine concerns now that perhaps you know deflation might be a realistic problem in China, or is it simply due to yeah you know, essentially just some of the technical details of the data? Do you think? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think so far, you know, at least from you know the, the limited uh, guidance that we get from uh, the P- the PBOC, you know, so far I think they are pointing to you know some of these base effects as, as sort of the main factors here and. and um, and, you know, as I said, they, they do expect uh, inflation and economic growth to pick up in the second half of the year. Now, you know, obviously that they, 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 they might be wrong on, on that. Um, and, and perhaps um, these numbers are, are not going to turn around. But at the moment, yeah, they are definitely pointing to some of these uh, sort of more technical factors driving the numbers. So I, I definitely you know, prefer to look at sometimes, you know, particularly at the at the PMI surveys, you know, they, they mm-hmm. sort of give month by month uh, reading and, and, and generally more up to date. Uh, and, and, you know, they have shown um, some ongoing weakness in the manufacturing sector, some improvement in the services sector. Uh, so, um, you know, we hopefully we can see the manufacturing sector start to pick up uh, uh, over the second half of the year. Uh, and, you know, even if you just look at the month-over-month numbers for some of the activity indicators yesterday, they, they did show a rebound from, uh, from the previous month. So just I, I think we need to be aware of some of the, the factors that are the driving the year over year growth numbers uh, because of what happened 12 months ago. Uh, and but, yeah, obviously keep an eye on to see if if, if the PBOC is right. And we do see um, a pickup in, in growth in the second half of the year. OK, fair enough. It's interesting. Mark talked about um, the, um, the Saudi decision to cut all prices, um, all prices, all production, I should say, unilaterally. The law is quite yeah. interesting when we did see that um, announcement coming out. Um, you know, the impact on all prices is extremely short lived. And it does seem that you know, all prices these days seem to be a pretty good indicator of how international investors perceive the Chinese economy, given how much oil they buy out there. The fact that all prices now are below where they were before the Saudi announcement kind of suggests that investors in general are getting concerned about China. Anyway, OK, let's move across your immediate part of the world, Australia. Um, last week, 25 basis point inter- increase in interest rates. Uh, we had an extremely strong May labour force report. So I guess the same, I'd ask the same question as asked to Max. Do you, I mean, do you think there's been some underestimation of inflationary pressures in Australia? Well, well that's obviously been the, the, the 
Well, I, guess, I, should, I, should, years, I should say more more recently. I thought rather than the past. I mean, everyone yeah. got it wrong in the past, but no, I'm talking about you know, yeah, because they were on hold for a bit, weren't they? And now we're starting to see rates going back up again. Yeah, you know, whether or not there's been some sort of to use the ECB's term term, you know, a recalibration of what's going on. Well, I think there's some wishful thinking going on in Australia at the moment, just sort of hoping that you know we, we've seen um, a, a very small tick down in, in headline inflation from right. you know, peak. But I mean, I'm just looking at the chart right now. It's still obviously way, way above where uh, the RBA, RBA wants it. Um, uh, they're still forecasting that it's going to come down very, very slowly. They're not expecting to be back to the top of their range until, uh, what is it, mid-2025. So we're still sort of two years away from them uh, being comfortable where uh, inflation is. And that's you know based on uh, just the current expectations of, of rate hikes, which, you know, might not be enough if it if it doesn't uh, get down quickly enough. So it's uh, I think still very much the bias is towards uh, you know a, a, some more policy tightening will will be required to um, uh, to start getting that inflation number down lower. As you said, we had um, you know pretty pretty strong uh, employment numbers uh, yesterday, uh, low unemployment, high participation. Uh, that that follows sort of the, the the quarterly wage numbers that we had a few weeks ago, which showed a, a pickup in wage growth. So there's really nothing to suggest that um, you know those price pressures are, 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 are moderating as as quickly as the RBA would like. Okay, brilliant. All right. Well, let's move across to New Zealand, where I guess you know we're still t- still talking about one of the most hawkish of the major central banks around the world. Um, but of course, New Zealand now in recession after the latest set of GDP figures. So, um, does this mean now that perhaps the RBNZ has actually reached the top of the cycle, or is it just due to weather effects and whatever else? And probably we'll still see another hike at the next meeting or two. Yeah, I, I, the. Obviously, I think uh, maybe a little bit further advanced than the RBA in in their in their hiking schedule. They they started earlier. They've been uh, you know on average a bit more aggressive. Uh, mm-hmm. So so perhaps they will top out uh, before the RBA. But um, I would still say that uh, there, there's still a, a chance that they can uh, keep on going a bit further. They might try and look through some of those uh, the factors behind the the GDP weakness that we've seen uh, in, in the first quarter. That obviously was partly due to um, uh, you know, some natural disasters and adverse weather. And, and they're predicting that actually in the current quarter that we're seeing, you'll, you'll see a bit of a boost to activity and inflation from you know, recovery efforts and rebuilding okay. it. So you know, similar to, to other parts of the world, where there's a little bit of uh, volatility and murkiness in, in the numbers that uh, policymakers are dealing with. Um, but you know, the inflation numbers are still obviously front and centre of, of what they're trying to, to do. And so that's, you know, given that that's still, you know, well above where they'd like to see it, uh, I think they'll at least consider uh, some further policy tightening. Uh, we might see them, uh, you know, pause for a month to, to analyse uh, whether, uh, you know, this this GDP number is the signal of, of, a, of a broader turndown. But um, in, in general, I think the, 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 the bias of officials is still to, to keep on uh, really focused on getting that inflation number down. Okay, fair enough. Um, okay, so that's uh, China, Australia, New Zealand, and the Australian part of the world. Well, uh, there's a lot of um, uh, gloom and doom about uh, you know uh, things in, in many parts of this region, but uh, India actually is, is uh, they're, they're they're doing reasonably well. I think uh, mm-hmm. officials 
RBI are, are pretty comfortable with the way things are going at the moment. The, the activity numbers uh, are pretty good. If you have a look at, you know, particularly the PMI surveys, showing pretty solid growth in both the manufacturing and the services sector. And they're, they're seeing a welcome reduction in uh, inflation over the last uh, two or three months. Uh, you know, the headline number is now pretty close to the mid range of their, the midpoint of their target range. Um, so they're, they're looking a little bit more comfortable about uh, where they are. And, and they've obviously been on hold for the last, uh, I think, two meetings by the RBI. Now, uh, we are coming up into the monsoon season in India, which always has a, a lot of uh, right. interest for policymakers. They want to make sure that rainfall patterns are, are you know, normal and average and, and you know, we, we don't have any uh, impact on, on food prices as a result of, of erratic or poor rainfall. So that's, that's something to, to keep an eye on for India going forward. But uh, apart from that, yeah, they're, they're looking to be in reasonably good shape at the moment. Okay, brilliant. Thanks for that, Brian. Um, right, let's round off with Europe then, as folks might have seen the ECB. European Central Bank duly tightened as expected again today. Uh, another 25 basis point increase in all their key interest rates. And indeed, at a press conference, uh, President Lagarde, she was pretty hawkish and to all intents and purposes uh, flagged that will be another interest rate increase at the next ECB meeting in July. However, you start looking at some of the other numbers, though. Um, Eurozone economy now is in recession following the uh, the updated first quarter GDP numbers. We've had minimal declines, but nonetheless declines in both the fourth quarter at, uh, of last year and the first quarter GDP for this year as well. Uh, the region's uh, ECDI has been consistently below zero since late March. So the way things are shaping up at the moment, it looks as if the second quarter economic activity, that may well be on the disappointing side as well. And uh, core inflation, despite the way uh, Lagarde was talking pretty negatively, or hawkishly perhaps I should say about inflation, it actually was surprisingly low uh, last month. So uh, for choice, I reckon the governing council Council's hawks may find a slightly less receptive audience when they get to the next meeting. Um, as mentioned, we've got economic activity actually falling now. And indeed, a lot of the leading indicators suggest that it's um, going to be a disappointing second quarter. And indeed, I think you're know, looking through all the various economic entrails. It seems as if the real risk now that the central bank, which pure intents and purposes, I think, has been lagging behind the, the inflation curve at any rate. The real risk now that they might actually you know, get into the stage whereby it's a case of monetary overkill and lead to uh, you know, either a slower recovery economy or even a, perhaps a flatline economy during 2023 when it could be thinking about perhaps just you know, going for a pause in interest rate hikes like for the likes of the Fed and we've seen earlier on with the RBA and the Bank of Canada. Indeed it's worthwhile remembering as well just in terms of perhaps some, some more technical side but nonetheless still important although they don't tend to look at quantitative tightening in the same sort of view uh, from monetary policy as, uh, as rising interest rates. We, <coughs> excuse me. We will see um, a more aggressive stance when it comes to quantitative tightening from July. Uh, the meeting today confirmed that what has been the partial reinvestments of assets maturing under their asset purchase facility, they'll end at the end of this month. And at the same time, we have a, well, a fair old wadge of what they call targeted long-term repo operations. Uh, they'll be maturing over the next 18 months or so. And they're probably going to subtract from liquidity by the best part of 1.6 
trillion euros or so. So there's going to be a significant drain coming through over the next year and a half. And indeed, we'll see the first uh, major impact of that on the 28th of June when we'll get maturing loan worth what almost 480 billion euros maturing. So we will see, in addition to the interest rate hike going through today, you know, t- additional tightening of policy coming through while the quantitative tightening side. And it's going to be interesting to see just what happens to the eurozone economy over the next uh, half year or so. So inflation does appear to have peaked now, almost certainly on the headline basis. But if we were to see another soft core inflation report for June, along the lines as we saw for May, then you know, arguing in favour of additional rate hikes is going to start becoming extremely difficult, I think, to, you know, to actually justify. OK, so the Bank of England then, looking just quickly looking ahead to next week, we'll have both the Bank of England and the Swiss National Bank due to make their statements. So they'll both be next Thursday. Bank of England, well, financial markets have ratcheted up their expectations expected interest rate hikes significantly since the, um, well, at all intents and purposes, a horrible April CPI. We saw the core rate there jump from 6.2% up to 6.8%. That's a level we haven't seen in more than three decades. We also had this week, uh, where are we, just on Tuesday, uh, a set of very, very strong wage data. Regular earnings growth now in the UK is running at a record high. So that includes all the various distorted, distorted figures we saw during the COVID period. So, and all that comes after the Bank of England at their last meeting sort of hinted that if you look at the right metrics, there were signs that wage growth was actually starting to slow. So, they've still got major problems with their, with their economic models. So, I guess it means at least we're going to see a 25 basis point hike in bank rate next week. That'll be the 13th increase in a row, up to 4.75%. And to be honest, I think it's a good chance that some of the more hawkish members will be looking for a 50 basis point just for the sake of the bank's credit. Credibility. Um, I've, no, I've noticed that Sterling having a particularly good run at the moment um, on the back of no change from the Fed and expectations that the Bank of England is going to have to hike disproportionately high compared to a lot of other central banks due to the, the state of um, um, UK inflation at the moment. For the Swiss National Bank, again, the general consensus is that we will see another 25, well, I say another, another hike in interest rates out of the uh, the Swiss National Bank next week. 50 basis points last time, looks as if they'll probably do 25 basis points this time. And that's with a, a CPI of only, what, 2.2% at an annual rate in May. Uh, the core rate, in fact, is even down to 1.9% as we record this. That's its first sub 2% reading since November. But it's got to be said, when it comes to taking inflation targetry, um, the Swiss National Bank t- takes it, perhaps a bit like Reserve Bank of New Zealand, a good deal more seriously, if that's the right expression, than others. And so um, they don't like seeing anything above 2%. So we'll probably see another 25 basis points hike up to 1.75% on their policy rate then too. OK, well, I guess we've probably been prattling on for long enough. So uh, let's round it off there then for this week. So the Fed might have done what was generally expected yesterday, as in not a lot, but recent surprise hikes and indeed cuts in interest rates elsewhere show that calling the global economy correctly is not getting any easier. All of which, of course, makes it keeping makes keeping a close eye on the key data and the market moving events as important as ever. So make sure you're fully up to date with what you need to know by following Econoday's global economic calendar. With that, on behalf of Mark, Max, Bran and me, thanks as ever for listening. We hope to see you again next time. Bye for now.